We're reading from Acts 1, 15 through to, to 26, and that's found on page 1092. Um, in those days, Peter stood among the, un, among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the, through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who, who arrested Jesus. He was one of our, mem- of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas brought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akadilema, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus has taken, was taken up from us. For one, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they, so they proposed two men, Joseph called Bar- Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they called, they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us of which of these you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Jesus, Judas left behind to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lots fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. All right. When I read that, I was, I was, uh, why do I always get the hard ones? <laughs> but they're all difficult. So um, I spent a little time yesterday looking at this, and three three questions jumped out at me. I. I it was really, um, it's, it's almost a scripture in two parts. You know, there's the description of what happened to Judas after his betrayal and then how, um, how the disciples then respond um, to that. So it's the second part that really I, I felt drawn to. Um, so the three questions that came up for me from the second half of the text was, one, why fill up what Christ himself has left vacant? Two, does the choice really need to be someone who'd been with them all along? And three, the method of deciding seemed a little bit unusual to me and counterintuitive, i.e. the casting of lots. Um, or countercultural, perhaps is a better word. Okay, so 
Let's look at them in reverse. We see earlier in the chapter that the disciples had just spent a long time in prayer. So far, so good. And had basically drawn up a short list of two candidates. And then they pray again and they cast lots. Now, if the PCC of this church made all their decisions by casting lots, I think it would raise a few eyebrows. Um, But it was actually culturally quite a common practice, um, not just in the Roman Empire, because if you remember when Jesus was crucified, the soldiers cast lots for his garments, but also in ancient Israel itself. Proverbs Proverbs 18.18 states, the casting of lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. So this wasn't an alien way of making um, decisions for the disciples. So, okay, fair enough, um, I suppose. But um, I have to wonder if this decision would have followed the same methodology if it happened after Pentecost, after they uh, were filled with the Spirit, instead of just before. And again, one wonders if perhaps they could have waited or should have waited. Or in fact, even if a replacement was necessary at all. It, it speaks to me a little bit of religiousness. We do it this way because we're Israelites. Um, and then you can substitute anything you like for Israelites. It could be we do it this way because we're Anglican or we do it this way because we're Baptists or we're Catholic. There are traditions that sometimes take precedent and I always think they're good to question a little bit um, just to see if they are valid, in which often they are, but sometimes one wonders. I suppose an extra question comes out of all this. Was it God's timing or man's timing? So working back through my original three questions, the second question was... Does the choice really need to be someone who'd been there all along? Perhaps. But God used Paul in such a powerful way later that one wonders if Paul was, in fact, God's choice, that Paul was, in fact, Judas's replacement. He was the reverse image of Judas, if you will. He was a picture of redemption. Whereas Judas started... As a follower and a friend of Christ, he ended up a betrayer and an enemy of Christ. And Paul, as Saul, started out as an enemy of Christ and a persecutor and ended up one of the greatest apostles and by his own admission, a friend of Christ. So another question was, was um, Matthias um, God's choice or was he mans. Which leads us again to the first question. Why fill up the vacancy that Christ himself had left amongst the apostles? Okay, it's important to remember our Lord Jesus Christ gifted his apostles with corporate power. He bestowed upon them authority to act in his stead and name. And it's not God's way to grant power and authority and then 
allow it to remain unexercised and undeveloped. When God confers any gift, he expects that it shall be used for his honor and for man's benefit. The Lord wished to teach the church from the earliest days to walk alone. And I remember in my own life, um, when I was in the honeymoon phase, and it was like several years, I, w- I felt so close to the Lord that he would guide my steps in everything. I mean, I'd like to get up and go, Lord, what shall I have for breakfast? You know, And, and there, was a, there was a period, there was a point where he kind of withdrew from that, and it was that time when he was basically saying, now you decide what to do. You decide where to go. You decide how to proceed. And I really didn't like it. I was like, no, I really love the fact that you tell me everything. And, um, but that's a part of growing and it's a part of learning and it's a, it's a part of um, become, becoming mature in, in the Lord. And this, I think, is a picture of what he was doing with the disciples. The apostles had been long enough depending on his personal presence and guidance and now they had to learn to exercise the privilege and the duties of their divine freedom. So he leaves them to choose the one who will fill the position and rank of office from which Judas had fallen. The risen saviour acts in grace and he bestows his gifts lavishly and generously and then expects man to respond to the gifts by making good use of them. So how do we do this? We do this with earnest prayer just as they, they prayed um, before they made their decisions. We do it with sanctified reason and we do it with good old-fashioned Christian common sense. Just as the 11 did that on that day so long ago. One more question. Do we always get it right? Perhaps, perhaps not. But God is in the business of working with us through our failings and turning to good our shortcomings. Even though Paul later became the true replacement for Judas, by church tradition, Matthias became a valuable member of the church and is believed to have been the missionary that led to the foundation of the the Christian church in Ethiopia. And it's also thought that shortly after the brother of James was martyred, um, he also was martyred in Jerusalem because he'd become such a threat to the religious leaders of, of the day. So bearing all that in mind, Perhaps the 11 were onto something after all when they picked him. 